Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. I am your host, Dr. Julieta Gabiola, clinical professor of medicine at Stanford University. What drew me to medicine was the science, the innovation, and the promise for a comfortable life. But what has kept me in medicine are the real people, their lives, and their stories, as well as the translation of medical innovations into practical applications. This podcast will explore experiences beyond the walls and corridors of the hospital, laboratories, and clinics. I invite you to share in our journey seeking to preserve and improve our lives, our sense of balance, and our well-being. Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. Today, we will be discussing the obesity continuum. We have done four previous podcasts on obesity to disrupt the continuum. First podcast, we discussed about the consequences of obesity. Then we tackled lifestyle modifications like dietary choices, intermittent fasting, physical activities, and exercise. Then we discussed the surgical options, the indications, and the risk-benefit analysis. As we stressed in the past, surgical and medical interventions are used in conjunction with healthy eating, physical activity, and behavioral modification. Without those changes, the positive effects of medical and surgical therapies will be difficult to sustain. Today, I have an esteemed guest, a colleague, Marilyn McGowan, a second-year resident at Stanford, who I am privileged to be with today. She is an avid listener, a true advocate for patients. She is interested in chronic diseases and had been very passionate in helping people make informed choices and achieve their goals. She will discuss the drug therapies for obesity to help you decide on what is the best option for you. Welcome, Marilyn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about medications for weight loss. So Marilyn, let's dive in. What inspired you to study the various medical interventions for obesity? I think as you have highlighted in previous episodes, obesity is just so prevalent in the United States. I think it's somewhere around 40% of our population has obesity. And there's been some really, really wonderful new medications on the market over the past couple of years that have shown a lot, a lot of promise. And I think it's a really exciting time to be talking about these medications that make a real impact, not just on a patient's numbers, but also on their quality of life. And I think that's one of our main jobs as a doctor is to enable our patients quality of life and ability to kind of live their best life. I agree. I agree. And I think by 2050, it's predicted to even be more prevalent, unfortunately. So people are even discussing it, that there will be an epidemic of obesity. Yeah. And along with that, of course, is diabetes and other cardiovascular diseases. So, and I know you're very interested in following people with chronic diseases. If I'm thinking about going in, choosing medical intervention, could you discuss who are the candidates for this medical intervention? Yeah. So the typical candidates that we think about are people first off with obesity, which is defined as a BMI greater or equal to 30. And the BMI calculator is it's your weight divided by your height squared. So the higher up that top number, the higher up your weight is, the higher a BMI you will have. And so greater than 30 is in the obesity category. So that's someone we would think about starting therapy on. And then the second category is a BMI greater than 27. 
which meets kind of the overweight criteria there, but with comorbidities that we associate with obesity, such as sleep apnea or diabetes. It is probably worth noting that all of these medications are not to be used during pregnancy too. So we hold off on patients who are pregnant. (laughs) Or I guess people with eating disorders or something like that, right? So the question is, Oh, comorbidities are basically coexisting diseases like hypertension, diabetes, osteoarthritis, sleep apnea, and PCOS. So those are the comorbidities or existing chronic diseases that we factor in when we decide on therapies for obesity. Yeah. So so could you discuss, for example, in medicine, right, before we talk about therapy, we actually discuss with the patients, what are their goals and what are the risks and benefits to them? So could you outline the potential goals for patients who are embarking on considering medical therapy? Yeah. So of course, the main goal for us as the physician and also for the patient is if they're coming to us to discuss weight loss is, and we have several medications that can help with that, we want to make sure our treatments are also trying to help treat some of their other conditions that they might have that are a result of the obesity, such as their diabetes that you mentioned, or their high blood pressure. And I think it's worth noting too, that we look at obesity, just like any other chronic medical condition, like you mentioned, just like we treat hypertension for the long run, treat diabetes for the long run. These are also medications that we also think about treating for the long term, for the most part, with a couple caveats that we'll go into. (laughs) So an overall improvement of their quality of life and health status and provide them with the best medications with the least consequences or side effects. So these therapies that we will discuss further, and you will discuss about what are these medical therapies that we have. It's so exciting because I remember in the late 1990s to early 2000s, so we were into this fen-fen. So I don't know if people remember fen-fen, right? So that's fentermin and fenfluramine. And at that time, we were achieving right weight loss of 20 pounds, 30 pounds, and 40 pounds. And my patients during that time, I could get them off their diabetes meds and hypertension. It was so cool until they started all these lawsuits because of all the cardiovascular consequences of fenfluramine. And fentermin is still available nowadays, and it probably has one of the longest track record for the drug therapy for obesity, followed by probably Orlistat. So let's dive in. And so let's discuss the various groupings of medications, their side effect profile, who will be the candidate for this, and what should we think about in terms of follow-up of side effects. So Marilyn, go dive in. Okay, so I'm going to start with one of the newest agents which has a lot of us in the medical community really excited. It's the GLP-1 agonist. And what an agonist means is it works in the same way that that receptor does. So GLP-1, it's called an incretin. They're based in your pancreas and they're also in your brain, these receptors. And essentially how it works is it works in a couple ways. It works centrally in your brain to decrease appetite, 
And then it also slows the emptying of your stomach, which can also help with weight loss. It also works to help your pancreas work better and it prevents those cells from dying or something called apoptosis, which is kind of popping on their own and it promotes their proliferation. So it kind of helps your pancreas work better. And then it also works in your brain to decrease your sensation of hunger. <laughs> the two drugs we think about are called semeglutide and liraglutide, and they're both in injectables. So I think that's something we always counsel patients on is, are you comfortable doing a self-injection? Semeglutide is once a week and liraglutide, the other medication, is daily. There's a lot of benefits to this class of medication. Number one, they're pretty safe. It has really good improvement of people's diabetes numbers. On average, that A1C or the hemoglobin A1C, which is a three-month estimate of your how well-controlled your diabetes is, in general, you can see an improvement of one point, which is a lot, which is pretty good control. It also has some cardiovascular benefits, which is kind of an added bonus. And you can see decrease in blood pressure as well, which is probably a result of some of that weight loss. <laughs> so these drugs, this group of drugs also favored, enhances the pancreas to secrete insulin mm -hmm. and also decreases glucagon. Glucagon is another hormone that basically increases your glucose, so it interferes with that hormone secretion. So on top of decreasing gastric emptying and decreasing appetite and better differentiation of the pancreatic cells, those are the additional purpose for the GLP-1. And these are popular. I remember GLP-1 in about year 2000 when they were being studied as another adjunct for treatment of diabetes. The first ones were the GLP-1 agonist, and then there will be the DPP-4 inhibitors also, which prevents the degradation of GLP because they are rapidly degraded if you degraded, right? If you ingest them orally. That's why injectable is better. The problem is the side effect profile. Discuss about the nausea and vomiting. We thought that initially the mechanism of action is because people are nauseous and are vomiting. That's why they lost weight. But it's beyond that. You said it's centrally in the brain, right? So people are nauseous and they vomit. And is that getting better over time, Marilyn? So it can, but in some people it does persist. And it's one of those medications that we start at a low dose and slowly work our way up in doses. And sometimes even going back on the dose can help with some of these side effects. But you're absolutely right, Dr. Gabiola, that the most common side effects we see are related to the GI system with nausea and vomiting. Some patients will have diarrhea. Some things they always mention on the commercials to tell your doctor if you have a history of MEN2A or 2B. And what that means is it's a genetic condition where you have a higher risk of thyroid cancer, a certain type of thyroid cancer. So you'll just tell your doctor if you have that. And then it is thought that it may increase the risk of pancreatitis, though, which is an inflammation of the pancreas that can cause abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, though that is extremely, extremely uncommon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And these drugs are also costly. And sometimes for treatment of diabetes, most insurance companies will cover it. And I think they will also cover for weight loss, but you have to check it with your insurance companies because if they don't cover it, you'll end up paying a huge amount for these medications, correct? 
Yeah, exactly. It's a very expensive medication. We often try to prescribe it, like you said, for the indication of diabetes too. In patients who have diabetes, they often need to already be on a medication like metformin, which is a, a different diabetes medication before this one will be covered by their insurance. But that's always the goal is to get it covered by insurance. But unfortunately, often for weight loss, it's not covered. And so we do our best, but sometimes it unfortunately is an out-of-pocket cost. Hopefully that changes in the future, but for now, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, yeah. It's really an exciting drug because I remembered when drug companies were putting this out there, I said, well, this will be really a good drug for weight loss. It didn't get approved until the last few years, that's what you mentioned for weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the other drugs apart from this GLP-1 injectable drugs for weight loss? Yeah, so there's a medication called Orlistat. This one's even available over the counter as a medication called Ally. And what it does is it inhibits an enzyme that your pancreas secretes that helps break down fat. And so instead of breaking down and absorbing this fat, you excrete that in your stool. And so with less fat absorption, you lose weight. This has been studied to be safe in long duration trials going out, I think, even as far as four years. So it's a pretty safe drug. It shows some improvement in diabetes numbers and cholesterol and in blood pressure. And I think what people hear about very often regarding this drug is it's a medication you take three times a day with meals. And because it is affecting your fat absorption, this also has a decent amount of gastrointestinal side effects. So the ones we usually hear about are increased flatulence kind of some fatty stools and fecal incontinence. From what I have heard, I've never taken this med myself, but as some people have said, the bark is bigger than the bite, that some of these side effects, you kind of just learn to live with, learn to avoid fatty foods and that it's not so bad. But I think it's definitely worth counseling on and talking about with your doctor. <laughs> it certainly makes you rethink about eating fatty food, right? So <laughs> exactly. that's how it works. It prevents the absorption of fat. So if you avoid fats, you know, you won't have a lot of the side effects. But yeah, and the flatulence or really forming of gas is pretty severe in some people that they get embarrassed. So, <laughs> so that's the other drug. It used to be a, a prescribed medication, but as you mentioned now, it's over the counter. Orlistat has been used as a treatment also for diabetes mm-hmm. because there are a lot more treatment for diabetes with less side effects. It became out of favor. So other drugs out there? Yeah. So there's a couple medications that are combined medications. The first one I'll talk about is Phentermine, which you mentioned earlier. It's a combo pill of that medication and topiramate. It's available as a prescription called Qsimia. So Talking about the two portions of this drug, the fentermine is a sympathomimetic, which is a big way of saying it kind of revs up your body's fight response that in the so-called fight or flight response. So it revs up your sympathetic system and that helps decrease appetite. So it works centrally as an appetite suppressant, and it also helps your body kind of metabolize things faster and it affects the way you use energy. The second medication is called topiramate. This is a really interesting medication because it's used in seizures and migraines. And I think it's not quite understood how it works for weight loss, but it does decrease the food intake. And again, with energy utilization, it can have some effects on that. Mm-hmm. Could you tell more about the side effects of this? Because yeah, obviously, pentamin is, it's like an upper, right? Yeah, so it exactly. rubs up your metabolism. So it just increases the engine. Along with that are the side effects of pentamin, which are? 
Yeah, so it can increase blood pressure. That being said, sometimes it ends up being about blood pressure neutral because with weight loss, your blood pressure does come down. So it's still not recommended though in patients with uncontrolled high blood pressures or with any heart disease. It can increase your heart rate. In some patients, it can make them feel a bit anxious. And then other side effects can include dry mouth. That's fairly common and paresthesias, which is kind of like numbness, tingling in your hands. <laughs> so make sure that if you are on this medication, you actually get followed for your blood pressure and heart rate. And also make sure that you're not taking other medications that have those side effects as well with acceleration of your heart rhythm, for example. So it's something that, of course, your physician will discuss and follow with you. But how about topiramate, the side effects of it? Yeah, so the topiramate part of this is more the one that's contributing to the paresthesias. And then also constipation can be a side effect of this. And then it's just something to know about topiramate is if you were to want to come off of that, it's actually a medication that you should come off of slowly because if you come off of it quickly, it can cause seizures because, again, it is used to prevent seizures. <laughs> okay, so a lot of additional drugs out there, some with data and some without data. So yeah, keep going. And I understand that a lot of this drug, you have to have a certain threshold of weight loss. And if you're not achieving that, you have to think about tapering off or stopping them. So could we discuss that? Yeah, absolutely. So in general, as kind of general follow-up we're talking about, you should see your doctor at least in six-week intervals. And what you're referring to, Dr. Gabiola, is that after about 12 weeks is when you really want to see that about 4 or 5% of your body weight as weight loss. And that's at the maximum tolerated dose of the medicine. So some of these take a while to rev up to that full dose. But once you're there and you're there for 12 weeks, if you hadn't hit the weight loss goal of about 4 to 5%, that's when you should be talking to your doctor about coming off of that drug and potentially starting another drug if that's something you're interested in. <laughs> for the interest of the audience, like even a weight loss of 5 to 7% could make a difference in terms of your cardiovascular outcome. I know to a lot of people, that's not much, but we would see also the positive cardiovascular outcome benefits from losing weight, right? Even just 7%. Of course, some people would have to achieve more. It depends where you're starting. But if you're starting with a BMI of 40, for example, right? So those most patients would probably not lose a lot of this weight, although it can add up. Like if I'm starting my diabetic patients, rather than choosing, for example, sulfonylurea like glipicide, which promotes weight, this would at least favor weight loss. So I would use it for diabetes with a secondary gain from weight loss. So what are the other drugs out there? Yeah, to quickly touch on some of the other ones. So there's another combo pill called bupropion naltrexone. This is available as a prescription called Contrave. And the way it works is it's also a central appetite suppressant. So it decreases how hungry you feel. The bupropion is actually a medication that's used to treat depression. And it's also used to help with stopping smoking, but it works as a norepinephrine and dopamine reuptake inhibitor. So what that means is it locks the reuptake of these neurotransmitters so that your body, your brain sees more of them. And then the naltrexone 
it works on opioid receptors. It is an opioid receptor antagonist that we often use to treat alcohol and opioid dependence. And so all of these kind of work on some of the kind of psychological effects of wanting food to kind of decrease your appetite and your want for food. Mm-hmm. See, the propion, we also use it to treat depression. Mm-hmm one of the drugs that we use for depression. I know there are a lot more drugs there that are coming up in the pipeline, but they're generally not prescribed yet. And could you touch on those? Yeah. Which drugs in particular are you thinking about in the pipeline? Oh, there's a lot more. <laughs> like all the we talk about yeah. that or we'll just avoid those? Or Yeah. I mean, there's, I think, more GLP-1s. Or do you have any specific in mind, you? Nothing in particular, but I know there are like about three or four groups of medications that are in the pipeline, but those are generally not prescribed yet. Any other prescribed medications that you want to discuss? Those are the main ones used, and there's some other less common, but I think they're less well tolerated. They don't have quite as good safety profiles. So those are really the ones that we're using right now. (laughs) For example, I have a lot of patients who are using supplements, herbal products. So can you discuss about that and what should they be looking for in terms of side effects and what is the data out there? Is there data on this various supplements? Yeah, so in in a lot of these kind of herbals and supplements, some of the data is is a bit limited, but certain supplements that people have tried that you may have heard of, uh, people will use cayenne pepper, apple cider vinegar, things like ginger, cardamom, turmeric, fenugreek. There's a whole host of things people will use for weight loss. In general, I don't recommend the pill, like any pill supplements to my patients, just because I think the safety data isn't quite there and a lot of the studies aren't there. But that being said, if a patient wants to add some extra turmeric or, or cayenne pepper to their cooking, I think that is perfectly fine, as long as it doesn't cause them any stomach upset, anything like that. But they're generally pretty well tolerated if you add them into food. That's kind of generally how I counsel my patients on some of those things is supplement pills, they aren't quite regulated like medications are. And so sometimes you don't know what you're getting, but generally if you're just adding it to cooking, that's fine. (laughs) So I have heard a lot about my patients who are smoking, right? So we advise them to quit smoking and they say, well, but I gain weight and smoking controls my weight. What is that all about? Yeah, it is true actually. And it all is kind of through the nicotine receptors and I think to counter that, you can say we have good medications to treat both of those things, right? Specifically, as we mentioned earlier, like bupropion, for example, is a medication we use both for weight loss and for smoking cessation. I think there's ways to go about mitigating the side effects of weight gain. And what I would also counsel a patient on is the adverse health effects from smoking really kind of far outweigh any weight gain, and we can treat the weight gain mm-hmm. that is together on diet and exercise too. Right, right. That is true. And again, this medical intervention are adjunct or additive to the lifestyle modification that we talked about. And I know before we also talk about the metabolic switch caused by keto diet and also by intermittent fasting. So this will also supplement that. But be careful because there are a lot of metabolic effects that's happening in your body, suppression of different enzymes and different hormones. So make sure that you get followed by a physician when you embark in doing this. Well, first of all, they have to prescribe it (laughs) for you. So, But you should be followed up when you are on these medicines. 
Any additional things that you want to discuss before we go on the take-home points for today's discussion? Yeah, I can give kind of my take-home points. I think you said it best at first that we can do all the medications in the world, but it needs to be working very closely with diet, exercise, and lifestyle modification, like you mentioned. And I think that's really important to say from the get-go that we're working with all of these things in harmony to lead to your health goals. And number two is that obesity is a chronic medical condition. We as physicians look at this and treat it like we would any other any other long-term condition like high blood pressure or like diabetes. And it's something that, you know, if you're open to it, you could use a medication for the long-term to help treat the obesity. And then we have many, many good and effective weight loss medications. And it's really about working with your doctor to decide your healthcare goals and what medication might be this number one, the safest for you, number two, the best tolerated, and then number three, kind of have the best profile in terms of treating any of your other conditions you might have, like diabetes, for example. <laughs> there you go. So we have that as another potential treatment for you for obesity on top of what we already had discussed. So having said that, we will probably leave the obesity continuum, but I hope you keep maintaining your goals so, and be persevered to achieve what you want to achieve for yourself because it really really would improve the quality of your life and will prevent all the other negative consequences of obesity. Marilyn, thank you so much. I really appreciate your coming on to the show and more in the future. Yeah, this was a blast. I would be happy to come back. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Medicine for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with family and friends, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Acast, and YouTube. Follow me on social media at Dr. Jet on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. See you on our next episode.